Okay, I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. Uh, we had some technical difficulty in getting into the station. It's working out okay with this uh, uh, connection, but uh, anyway, we'll see where this gets us. Uh, we were going to talk today about the Kane syndrome, and I warmed up with uh, Blog Talk and talking a little bit about this. Uh, we've talked before in the past about the Saul syndrome, and the Saul syndrome is simply this idea of uh, uh, what happens when you elect uh, someone to exercise authority on your behalf, and you give them power. And that power corrupts them. Saul was a great guy, but when they gave him the power of kingship, the power to be the chief executive officer and commander-in-chief of their government, they corrupted Paul, uh, Saul so that Saul became this uh, overbearing ruler that actually even tried to kill people that he loved, people that loved God and served uh, and cared about him which was David. David could have killed Saul several times, but instead he didn't. He laid his knife by him once and uh, showed him that, you know, like he didn't want to fight with him, didn't want a war with him. But Saul had become possessive in his attitude towards this power because that power corrupted him. The only king I know that was not corrupted by such power was God himself. Even David was corrupted. But fortunately, David, being a king after God's own heart, repented. The reality is, is that kings get their power from the people. People give them power because they care uh, about getting certain things done, but they don't want to do them themselves, so they give what power they have to someone else. This is what happened with the emperors of Rome. There's a thing called the Imperium, and it belonged to the heads of every family and every household. And that Imperium was part of their protestas, part of their rights to exercise authority, to uh, protect themselves and to protect their neighbor. And this was uh, something that they slowly gave over to a government, and that you know, the government at first was the Senate. The early Senate had no power to make laws, but then as time went on, they got more and more powerful because the people looked to them more and more to solve the problems of society. And they gave them more and more power. And they took that power and misused it and used it for their own purposes. And uh, eventually... There, they gave that power to their commander-in-chief, Augustus Caesar, who became this centralized power. And then, of course, that office passed on to Tiberius and to Caligula and Nero and all the way to Diocletian and on and on, Marcus Aurelius. And they created a whole new type of imperial government, having the imperium vested in single men who became more and more corrupt. 
And this is the way it goes when you start looking to these men and create these offices of power is they will become corrupt, corrupted by that power that you gave them. It's your fault. You gave them that power because you did not exercise your responsibilities yourself. You said, ah, I don't want to be bothered with this. I want you to fight our battles for us. I want you to make sure that, you know, I have uh, free education for my kids. I want you to make sure that, you know, my parents are taken care of. I want you to make sure that we're safe from enemy attack. I'm giving you all this power to do this. And then you don't expect them to be corrupted by it. And men who are greedy for gain to come in and control and manipulate them. If you create offices of power, men who seek power will seek office. And that power will be a power over you. And this is a theme throughout the Bible. Is not the net spread before the bird. And yet, you will be caught in the very net. What should have been for your welfare shall become a snare. David warned this. Paul warned this in the New Testament. Christ warned us about that. We had to create an environment in our society whereby our society sustained itself because we loved our neighbor as ourselves. If we aren't doing that, if we're creating a society in which men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other is uh, killing and and oppressing and forcing people to take care of one another, then we're going to have a completely different kind of society. So this uh, this idea of a syndrome, Saul syndrome. Now we're going to talk about Cain syndrome. So the Saul syndrome is simply if men who seek power, seek office, and you give them that power, then they're going to become corrupted and you're going to end up with a tyrant. You will not be ruled by God, you will be ruled by tyrants. Samuel talks about this same concept that, you know, that the election of Saul choosing to have this ruler was going to destroy them. It was going to create this kind of government where he takes and takes and takes and takes and takes, takes your sons, takes your daughters. And when you cry out, he's not going to hear you because that mere choice was a rejection of God. But the Cain syndrome is what really comes first. It's a part of the same thing. It's an overlapping problem because you have to have one in order to have the other. But this idea of a syndrome is this pattern or symptom that characterizes or indicates a particular social condition. That's the way the, way the word is defined. And so we see that if you change the way in which you relate to one another, which is usually involving changing the kind or form of government that you create, you will be changed by that, just like Saul was changed. Went from a good guy to a bad guy. And the people who supported Saul, because he had to have many supporters that said, yeah, we're going to support this centralizing power. Even though we see him becoming corrupt, 
we see him exercising authority in an abusive fashion, we're still going to support him because we have that same character in us. He becomes, see no wrong, see no evil. But you do, do evil. You do evil to one another. And we see this today as, as socialism or what they call progressivism becomes so and so, so popular that it is absolutely okay to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. That's absolutely okay in the minds of many people who call themselves Christians. They even have people who are saying Christ was a socialist. And, and one of his excuses, and I've gone over this before with you, is that he said, well, he, he made wine out of water and gave it away, so therefore he's a socialist. A social, that's not what socialism is. Socialism is that you force your neighbor to give you his wine because you're too lazy to make it for yourself. That's not what Christ... What Christ did was charity. Socialism is not charity. It is forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare at the point of a sword, usually. That is living... Socialism is living by the sword. Having your welfare guaranteed by the sword, by force. And that's why we're going to talk about the Cain syndrome, because if you go back to the beginning with Cain, Cain, the first son of Adam and Eve, and then came Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. And that word ground, again, is not... You know, it's translated many different ways, but it's actually the word Adama. It's where Adam and Eve came from. They came from Adama. Something unique happened to Adam and Eve. God breathed life into them. Just as Christ breathed life into the apostles when he rose from the dead. But Adam and Eve in this position of receiving life directly from God, they began to decide for themselves what was good and evil. And they did not repent from that. They were sorry they did it, but they did not repent. They did not turn around from that. So the truth of that drove them out of the Garden of Paradise, out of Eden, out of this place where they walked with God. And they ate of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, of they deciding for themselves. I don't know where the apple thing came from. <laughs> That's all Renaissance. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't biting an apple and here have a bite. It's saying, let's decide for ourselves what is right and wrong. Let's not listen to God. Let's reject God. It's back to the voice of the people, electing Saul. It, 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 because they have already rejected me. They think this idea is a good idea. And this is what Adam and Eve were doing. They were rejecting God, and so now they thought this was a good idea. And, of course, their sons and daughters uh, were raised up the same way in the spirit that they had followed. And Cain took it a step farther. 
Abel was a keeper of sheep. Different words, servant. But Cain was a tiller, and like I say, the word tiller is not normally translated tiller. Translated serve, most often. He was a tiller of Adama. This, whatever this is that Adam and Eve came from. Call it the red clay, because it has this similarity to the word that is red. And, and those of you who have followed sacrifice and sophistry uh, know that uh, the red heifer has nothing to do with a heifer, has nothing to do with the color red. Sacrifice of the red heifer is foreign aid. That's why you took it outside the camp and the sacrifice was burnt outside the camp. It wasn't actually set on fire. It was given away entirely outside the camp. It was foreign aid. It was aiding those round about you with no strings attached because it's burnt. It's given up entirely. These are precepts of government. You should have foreign aid, not the kind of foreign aid we see in most governments today, but you should aid your neighbor who may not even be a part of your society. Abraham did. Noah did. The Essenes did. And we should too. And that is the sacrifice of the red heifer. But before that, we should be sacrificing to care for one another in pure religion. We should not be forcing our neighbor, killing our neighbor to serve us. We will become like Cain. Cain didn't start out bludgeoning his brother. He started out killing the Adama. And he worked his way up to bludgeoning his brother. And we've done the same thing in this country. We wanted free education. Actually, most people objected to free education. Thought I'd remind you, next week we're going to have um, uh, Mr. Gunn from Indoctrination on, the, on this show. And hopefully everything will work correctly. And <laughs> we'll be able to have him call in and talk on this show. The uh, This Cain situation is really something we all face. Are we going to force our neighbors? Are we going to beat up our neighbors if they don't do things the way we want? I mean, we're having a conversation with our neighbors in the field. That's what Cain and Abel did. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought fruit of the ground that he tilled and offered it to the Lord. Again, once you start understanding that these altars were systems of social welfare, that when you laid your offering on the stones of the altar, you were laying them on the men who were manning those offices of service in your society. Because a gathering of stones is a gathering of friends. Same word in the Hebrew. So you pick the men that you see as the most charitable men in your community. The men who give up their life on a regular basis to help others. They, they just love serving in a good way. 
to strengthen the poor, not to weaken them. And you say, that man's doing a good job. He's helping our society. He's helping the truly needy, the deserving poor of our society. He's making our society a stronger and healthier place. He is a righteous man. He is a good man. I'm going to support this man's efforts because he's doing the work of God in a godly way, in a righteous way. And what you give him, you give up entirely. You sacrifice it. And he takes care of the needs of your society. You don't need a chief executive officer at that point because you're doing it. You're making sure it gets done. You're picking men who do the job and you kind of hit the ground running with their sleeves rolled up doing the work of Christ, feeding his sheep, caring for the needy of society and pure religion. And you support that. And you support him. And you support his family that is working on that. You don't have a need for a chief executive officer or a commander-in-chief. If someone attacks him, they attack you. You're there. You hear the shafar and you show up. But that's like Abel, keeper of sheep, feeder of sheep, pastor of sheep. The word there, keeper, translated all those different ways. It's not the same word that we see for tiller of the ground that also is translated serve. It's not about feeding. It's about controlling. And that's what Cain was. He was a controller of people, a controller of Adama, a manipulator. This is why when he was driven from the face of God because he would not repent of the evil that he had done, he went off out of the presence of God and created the first city-state where he started gathering more and more people, where he, he named it after his son. And that city-state, that terror, because the same word that we see translated into city also is anguish and terror. That city-state, that civil power could exercise authority. It needed a commander-in-chief. It needed somebody in charge. It needed someone who could exercise authority one over the other. And it needed lots of people that were like Cain, that would do the work of Cain, would compel and force the offerings of the people in the spirit of Cain. In order to get those people, he needed to have people consent, like Lamech. But he would be oppressor of people. And this is what the way, this is the spirit. This is the symptoms that characterize and indicate a particular social condition where somebody exercises authority over others and forces others to contribute to the welfare of their society. This is the Cain syndrome. 
If we read in Hebrews 11.4, we see, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Both systems have sacrifice. The kingdom of God has sacrifice. You give up your life so that you may have life more abundant. The system of Cain gives up and has sacrifice. It, it has sacrifice every, every day, every year. And you have to give up and sacrifice on Cain's altars. And if you don't, Cain will beat you. Christ has a whole story about the good servant and the bad servant. The bad servant says, how much do you owe? This much, but I can only pay this much. He beats you until you pay what you owe and then some. That's the bad servant. Is that the kind of servants you have created? Is that the kind of system? Is that the characteristic of the system that you have created for yourselves to govern yourselves and to relate to one another? That if you can't afford to pay the full amount of the sacrifice demanded of you, that you are beaten, punished, fine. Was it Harry Reid who was recently talking and they videoed it with an interviewer that was saying, uh, he was saying that this is a voluntary system here in the United States for taxation. And it is voluntary. Once you volunteer, you have to pay. After that, it's not voluntary anymore. You have to pay. And if you don't pay, you'll be fined. You'll be brutalized. You may be thrown into jail, kept in jail for years. And they will fine you and penalize you and charge you interest. They're not into the forgiving of debt that Christ talked gone the ways of Christ. You've gone the ways of Cain. You've gone the ways of Nimrod. You've gone the ways of Pharaoh and Caesar. You haven't gone the ways of Christ. I had Jehovah Witnesses at the door the other day and they were talking about you know, we got on the subject of benefits. And they said, well God has put those institutions there. I said, no, you put those institutions there. God didn't elect Saul. People elected Saul. And they didn't elect Saul until they had rejected God. So if you have a Saul ruler over you, a man who calls himself a benefactor, a shepherd, a pastor, but exercises authority one over the other, who does not practice pure religion. You know, religion is how you take care of the needy of your society. According to James, pure religion is to do this unspotted from the world. How do you take care of the needy of your society? Do you do it through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty? No, I don't think so. I think you do it by force. I think you force the offerings and the sacrifice of the people 
because you pray to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. We'll talk more about this when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Let our motto be, Don't Tread on Me. LibertyRadioLive.com The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host, cause, and anywhere else the Spirit may lead you. Do all to the glory of our God and Creator, for His holy nation, the only kingdom that will last forever. Thank you for listening. If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or War of Federal Aggression? John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Pass Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free? Or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. 559-781-3773. Okay, I'm back. If I'm not, 
<laughs> anyway, uh, we're talking about, we had some more technical difficulties, and hopefully we're going to get these things ironed out before next week when we have Colin Gunn uh, from Indoctrination on as our guest. Um, but anyway, we're talking about this Kane syndrome, and uh, hopefully we will edit this show so that everybody can follow along. And as I said, this idea of syndrome carries with it this idea of disease and disorder. And the Saul syndrome is simply this idea of giving power to an individual. Almost always corrupts that individual because the power of government should be in the hands of every individual and not in a single individual. When you start centralizing that power and authority, and right to make decisions. In other words, your liberty, your liberty is a right to choose. When you centralize that in an individual, and I'm not sure why you do that, there's a couple of different reasons. One is you're too lazy. One is you like the power yourself, and you think if I elect this man, he will do things for me that I couldn't do for myself. Like I can't force my neighbor to contribute to my welfare. You know, this has been, you know, we've homeschooled all the last 30-some-odd years. Homeschool and people wonder, wonder why we do it. Well, obviously, you can get a better education if you homeschool. But the other reason is that I'm not going to go to my neighbor's house and kick in their front door and force them to contribute to my welfare. Say, so, well, I want... I want to buy some extra, we never could afford to buy some of the curriculums that were available. Uh, at that time, the, the uh, Robinson curriculum was just coming out, and it was just too much for us. We didn't think we could afford that. And it's really not that expensive, but, you know, we I ended up with six kids, and we lived out in the poorest county in the state of Oregon, <laughs> and... Uh, hundreds and hundreds of miles from most anything that other people take for granted, uh, at least 100 miles from any major town. And uh, we just didn't make a lot of money. We always had enough to get by. We never had to take welfare or unemployment or any of that stuff. We just worked hard and got through. But we couldn't afford those curriculum, so we'd buy books uh, at thrift stores when we finally would get to town, and we put together our own study programs, and the kids uh, all grew up to be fairly well-educated. But uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't accept the idea. It just didn't fit with me to force my neighbor to give me money so that I could buy one of these better curriculums. But everybody else could, and they called themselves Christian. They actually went to the government that they elected and said, give me free books. Give me a classroom. And they said, people like the Jehovah Witness said, well, we pay into that. Yes, but it's a common purse. It's a system of benefactors that exercise authority to provide you with this free education. You know, 
close Probably yes. one of the more important books I need to write is the one that has to do with sacrifice of sophistry, the uh, altars of blood. Because until people begin to realize that those altars of Moses were actually social welfare systems operating by faith, hope, and charity, by free will offerings. I mean, you see that phrase over and over again in the Old Testament, free will offerings. And certainly there were free will offerings in the New Testament as well. And what were they doing? They were doing pure religion, taking care of the needy of their society with charity, real charity. It's as simple as that. I don't, I don't get how you guys don't see that. That public schools are not charitable institutions. They're not providing you with education out of the charity of your neighbor's heart. Your principal doesn't come to the house with a gun and say, give me my salary. But in, in essence, that's the way that system works. He doesn't carry the gun. You stop paying your property tax to go to public school. People say, oh, we've got to get our kids out of public school because they're teaching them that abortion's okay and gay this is okay and gay that is okay. And and um, I don't know what they're teaching now. Uh, they're certainly not teaching much on what they should be teaching. But the point is is they're getting these influences over your children and changing their thinking. I don't know how many adults that come to me and are complaining about some of the ideas their kids have. You know, their kids are grown now. And I, they said they were wondering where the kids give them. I said, well, they wondered why they couldn't be more like my kids. I said, well, you sent your kids to public school. I didn't. And the kids didn't get their values at home. They got them in school. And the first thing you teach them is that I'm too stupid to teach you, so I have to send you to strangers. And then the second thing they teach you, that it's okay to force your neighbor to pay for this education. Because you, it's a good idea. You want to have... I mean, I just got an email, the, or not an email, I, I saw that somebody had... Uh, put something on Facebook. I actually get on Facebook once in a blue moon. <laughs> but uh, I don't have time for Facebook most of the time. And I just pan down whatever they call it, the wall, <laughs> real quick. And you see all these old posts that mean very little to me. My wife uses to keep track of all the kids now and everything. But panning down, here comes somebody I knew when they were going to school many years ago and now they have children going to school and they had a picture of of a woman all distraught and everything because her kids are made a mess in the house and it said something like don't worry school starts soon and we remember hearing that when we were kids uh, or when our kids were growing up is that they were uh, people would say oh I can't wait till school starts and we thought that was completely foreign to us because we we actually kept our kids at home the first year, the first the oldest son, because it was 40 miles to the nearest school. It's an 80 mile round trip. It's hours on the bus. 
And we said, well, heck, we can handle first grade. And then we discovered that by the time he was ready for second grade, he was actually ready for third and fourth grade. <laughs> so there was no reason to send him. If we had sent him to school, it would have held back his education. But anyway, we'll talk a lot more about that next week, but we'll have Colin Gunn to do his share of the talking. And uh, But this idea of Cain, Cain creating this first city-state, this is the instrumentation of a society where you can force your neighbor and oppress your neighbor to do what you want done. Not what God wants done, but what you want done. We already know that you've gone out of the presence of God. You know, this is this is one of the ideas that we have just accepted that it's okay to take from your neighbor and to force your neighbor to contribute to what you want done. And it's not okay. It's wrong. It's evil. It's extremely bad, and you shouldn't be doing it. It's a sin against God, against Christ. It's not following Christ in any way, shape, or form. So anyway, we we look at uh, Hebrews 11.4. It says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith. Boy, we're radio program, so might want to read or hello. You disconnect. I'm hearing somebody else talking in the background, very faintly. Nita, can you mute your phone, please? Okay. Uh, by faith. Uh, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. This is very important, how we maintain our society, what kind of gift we use, uh, and how we obtain those gifts of society. If you, if you, I, I, you know, I've looked at this so long now. I, I see it so clearly, but I, I struggle with how to get it any clearer to the people. They are living under such a strong delusion that they believe in Christ when they actually have more faith in a government that compels the offerings of the people than they do in actually living by faith, hope, and charity. In 1 John 3.12, we read, Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. That's what we're going to see a lot of in the future. Because the spirit of Cain, this Cain syndrome, is alive and well in the world. They think it's okay to force. You know, if you listen to most of the progressives out there, and, and you watch some of the demonstrations, you go to some of the marches where you'll find progressives and conservatives mixed, 
you you will see the most violent people promoting the progressive concepts. I mean, we've recently seen the United States government operating in a way where it thinks it's absolutely okay to murder people that they consider to be an enemy of the state. Just murder them. Not arrest them and try them, but just murder them. That that's okay. And they actually sit down and discuss on a weekly basis, who will we kill this week? If I told people 20 years ago that the government they elect would be doing that and making those kinds of decisions, they would think I was absolutely crazy. would never happen in America. But they talk about it on the news even. They tell you that they actually meet and do this. The people have been at the meetings to decide these things. And... and even when they do arrest people, you know, we've seen it in the news not too long ago. Uh, Gibson Guitar uh, uses foreign wood in the making of their guitars. So they're raided by armed men who hold the janitor lady at gunpoint. They're in a guitar company. These guys are making guitars. People buying and selling whole milk are raided by SWAT teams. Doctors' offices selling vitamins are raided by armed men in flak vests. There's no evidence anywhere that anybody producing that whole milk or in those doctors' offices would have guns to fight these people. How come someone just didn't come in with a, you know, a badge? Or wearing a suit, you know, like, you know, Sergeant Friday. And said, we just want the facts, nothing but the facts. Why are we coming into these places completely innocuous businesses with SWAT teams? This is the spirit of Cain coming out. We see it everywhere. And it's only getting worse because we are not repenting. In Jude 1, verse 11, it says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perished and the gainsaying of Kor. So now we have Kor and Balaam and Cain all put together in the same idea, in the same concept, in the same syndrome, in the same sin. In Jude 1.12, next verse, they are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you feeding themselves without fear clouds they are without water carried about of winds trees whose fruit withereth without fruit twice dead plucked up by the roots 
This is your whole societies all over the world now are operating according to the gainsaying of Kor, to the air of Balaam, and the way of Cain. Every government moving in every society, your government, you have governed yourself in such a way that you have become socialist systems all over the world. Canada, Australia, England, China, Soviet Union, Venezuela, Santo Domingo, social welfare is becoming the name of the game. Social welfare at gunpoint, forcing your neighbor with the sword to contribute to your welfare. You will be plucked up by the roots because you are twice dead. You claim to believe in Christ. How can you repent and turn around from this? To move away from that, you have to start contributing to real charity. I don't care if it's even the Red Cross or the Salvation Army. But you have to start giving up of yourself or you will not have life more abundant. You will be twice dead. At Jude 1, 11 and 12 comes after 10, which reads, But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what you... But what they know naturally as the brute beast and those things they corrupt themselves. The beast is your creation. There was an old movie. It was one of the early science fiction movies that had the, the robot that we see in several other shows later on. Uh, and, uh, you know, I can't think of the name of it. Um, it had a couple of stars that went on, but it was one of the early, early science fiction movies. Uh, and they were on this planet, and there was this monster that was attacking them. And they had this perimeter all around them. And, but you couldn't see the monster or something. I can't remember. It's a long time now. Forbidden planet. What was it? Forbidden Planet. Forbidden Planet. That's it. That's it. Uh, Bobby in the Rope. Yeah, it had the, the, the girl star was Francis something or other. <laughs> I think maybe their last name was Francis. But anyway, uh, and uh, anyway, the point was is the the key character in there, I don't know if it was Walter Pigeon or who it was, but uh, he uh, he was creating the monster in his own mind. It would only attack when he was asleep. And it was his mind that was creating that very monster. The beast that we, everybody's worried, the beast is coming, you know, the image of the beast and all that. That's you. That's, that beast is coming. There's a little bit of the Cain syndrome 
in us all. And we are magnifying that cane in this collective consciousness or unconsciousness. Unconsciousness in the sense of we don't really know God. We are not operating according to God. We are operating according to Cain and Lamech and Nimrod. We are Babylon the Great. If we want the world to change, we want governments to change, we have to change. We have to turn around and start operating in our life in a different way in an unselfish way. And that's where we've got to go with this. So we'll be back in a moment the Keys to the Kingdom and talk about that way. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake. Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. If you'd like to get a copy of this program, you may subscribe at libertyradiolive.com for only $45 a month, and you'll receive an MP3 CD weekly of all the First Amendment Rights Media Group programs. As a bonus, we'll send you a password for our audio archives online. That's a $15 value. Or you can request any month of any program on one MP3 CD for a minimum donation of only $20. Or any single program on tape, MP3 CD, or CD for only $15. You can do all this online at LibertyRadioLive.com. Just follow the instructions to make a donation or subscribe. Don't do Internet? Then call 559-781-3773, 559-781-3773, and we'll be honored to help you. Thank you from all of us here at the First Amendment Rights Media Group. If you get Romney in instead of Obama, everything will be okay. Or even if you get uh, uh, somebody like Ron Paul in, suddenly the whole country is going to turn around and operate in a different fashion. Not going to happen. If Ron Paul even got anywhere near the White House, he'd probably be shot. But the reality is, is that you cannot depend on one person. And before governments will change, before the world will change, you must change. You must change the way in which you relate to the world. That is what must take place. In Genesis 25:30, we read, And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, 
I pray thee with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. Now, a lot of people think that uh, uh, Esau was called uh, this uh, Esau, red, because he was this hairy man, red hair. But he just said, red pottage. What was that all about? The same red pottage. Did you know the word pottage is not even in the text? There is no word pottage in the text. That's added by translators. The word uh, red is there. But that's the word Adam. A-D-O-M, or in the Hebrew it would be Eleph, uh, Deleth, Mim. That's what he is saying. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me. Where do you pray for your daily bread? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come as thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, or do you get your daily bread from the free bread and circuses of Rome? Christians didn't pray to you the free bread the and circuses of Rome. You have reached the maximum time permitted to record. To send your message, press 1 at any time. To listen to your message, press 2. To re-record, press 3. That's a distraction. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear these little noises in the background. And, uh, I'm recording the show here, so maybe we'll end up eventually editing. <laughs> we'll get our act together here pretty soon. Uh, anyway, uh, when I'm looking at this uh, verse in Genesis 25:30, and Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and he swear unto him, and he sold this his is birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave to Esau bread and pottage. Now, there we actually see the word pottage showing up, uh, this this idea but originally when he said it he just talked about red pottage now I'm not sure what color your pottage is but uh, mine is not red (laughs) so there's there's a message in these words knowing that that word Adam it comes from the same idea of Adama of the the source of where Adam and Eve came from. They were made from Adama and became this Adam and Eve when God breathed into them, just like the apostles became the apostles when Christ breathed into them and began to return to the way in which, the redeemed way in which we should have been living all along. And they gathered together and they looked out amongst themselves and they put picked men they trust. And they contributed to those men to provide for the widows and orphans and needy of their society in pure religion. This is what the first century church was doing. 
it could have gone to the Rome free bread and the Rome circuses. You could get on welfare and watch TV all day. Or you could seek out Christ. And who is not on welfare? Public school is welfare. Social security is welfare. Health care is welfare. And it's welfare provided by the sacrifices of the people, by the Corbin of the people, that is not collected by men of faith, hope, and charity, but is collected by men of force, fear, and violence. It is not men doing what John the Baptist was doing. It is men doing what Herod was doing, what Caesar was doing. It is not men doing what Christ was doing. And this is the error of Balaam. This is the way of Cain. You cannot be a Christian and follow the ways of Cain. You cannot be a Christian and follow the ways of Balaam and Lamech and Nimrod. You cannot. It just it, it does it doesn't work that way. In Romans nine thirteen we see as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Why? Because it's right for benefits, for bread. Even though Jacob offered the deal, Esau sold his birthright for benefits. The greatest destroyers of freedom are the givers of gifts, gratuities, and benefits. And this is the Cain syndrome. You, this is how Cain built his city-state and maintained it. This is how Sodom and Gomorrah. What was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah? Homosexuality? That's not what the Bible says. Did they have homosexuality there? Yes. Is homosexuality a deviant behavior against the nature of man? Absolutely. Are men given over to that? Absolutely. Can they change of their own power? No. It's it's a symptom. It's what's going to come about when you reject God and the ways of God. It's going to come about. The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was in a time of affluence. They did not strengthen the poor. What weakens the poor more than social security and welfare and these and socialism? What weakens them more than that? So Esau he hated. Who else did he hate? Revelations two fifteen. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Nicolation, Nico, laity. Nico conquered laity people. Same thing. Read our articles on Nicolation at hisholychurch.org. Balaam conquered Lam people. How are they conquered? By praying for benefits. Feed me. Care for me. Protect me. Save me. 
That's your prayer. But is it to God? Or is it to the governments you have chosen for yourself? Governments like the governments of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority in the provision that they offer you. They do not give you bread out of their pockets. They give you bread out of their neighbor's pockets. And they are not picky about how they get it. They will beat your neighbor if your neighbor doesn't provide what they demand. And they may have the right to beat them. And they may have the right to demand it. Because that's the terms of the agreement that those men have made in their wickedness. And God will not hear them. This is all in Samuel. This is what's going to happen. They're going to take and take and take and take and take. And when you cry out, I will not hear you in that day. God told you. But that government you are allowed to create to punish the wicked. You. Jeremiah 44, 3. Because of their wickedness, which they have committed to provoke me to anger, in that they went to burn incense and to serve other gods whom they knew not, neither they, ye, nor your fathers. In, burn incense. What does that mean, burn incense? It comes from, uh, you know, the Hebrew word, katar. It actually is translated, uh, uh, a number of different ways and and uh, if you look at it this word guitar uh, it's identical to another word guitar uh, which is spelled exactly the same way but given a different number which means joined and the word itself uh, is defined as to enclose join not joint even it's uh, even translated problem but the same exact letters are translated incense about 59 times burn about 49 times offer three times kindle offering and you know a couple other different ways it means to sacrifice really doesn't have anything to do with stinky incense it has to do with sacrifice that giving up of sacrifice. Incense on these altars of living stones. Except for the nature of the altar is different. It is Cain's altar, a forced offering. So that you serve other gods. The word serve, there's lots of words that could be translated serve. But that particular word again, abad, which is also translated till, it's translated even do or work or worship or service or dress or labor. We talked about that earlier. Till. It's a certain kind of service. It's a service you perform on April 15th. And to other gods. What gods? If you look at that word gods even, Elohim, it should be just translated God, right? Period. That's it. 
but that's not it. It's translated God most of the time, but it's also translated judge. It was used as in deference to judges, and it means ruler and judges. That's what it means. And that's who you're sacrificing to, these gods. Who are you sacrificing to? It's your rulers and judges. And they judge you. You must sacrifice this amount. And if you don't, they'll beat you. Because they're not the good servants. And they will be cast into darkness. But you may have to pay them. Because you made a deal with them. Even though they are the unrighteous mammon. And that Jeremiah 44, 4, How be it, I sent unto you all my servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them, saying, Oh, do not this abominable thing that I hate. But you did it anyway. And you did it while your modern churches with their big screen TVs and their big bands we're telling you that Jesus loves you. And Jesus does love you, but he sacrificed himself so that you might be free. But you aren't doing what Jesus said. You're not the doer of the word. You're doing absolutely the opposite of what you should be doing. absolutely the opposite of what you should be doing. And, you know, all I can do is talk to you. All I can do is tell you about it. I can't make you do what's right. I can't hit you with my staff. I have a sheep staff outside the door. But I don't even hit the sheep with it. At least not most of the time. <laughs> It's to guide them. But if I tell you about it, you don't do anything about it, it's not going to do you any good to hear it. As a matter of fact, it will do you harm because now you can't say, well, I never heard it. In Zechariah 8:17, it says, And let none of your images, excuse me, let none of your, you imagine evil in your heart against his neighbor and love no false oath, for all these are things that I hate, saith the Lord. Why do you think it's okay to force your neighbor to contribute to your free education in public school? You know, the, the whole reason you have to pay property tax on your land is because you, it's not your land. You don't own it. You never paid for it. It's not yours. It's been hypothecated as uh, collateral for a debt. You know, and we talk about this in money versus mammon and the covenants of the gods, and we should explain how this all works in law versus legal in the different chapters, which you can read for free. We give it away for free on the net. But it doesn't do you any good to learn all that if you're not going to start being the servants of God by serving one another by loving one another caring for one another contributing to one another I see these huge churches built 
with vast sums of money where people just contribute so that they can have these big fancy churches and and people want to go to what they call the traditional church you know the traditional church was somebody's house and in the back room or in the front room maybe even they're taking care of the needy of society in their gathering of 10 families and gathering of 100 families by gathering those 10 families together in a network of ministers who care about you as much as they care about themselves, who are contributed to by people who care as much about you as they care about themselves, who are casting their bread upon the waters daily to take care of the needs of those deserving poor, of getting out the message. And they have men out looking for men who don't have a coat so that they will have somebody to share with. But we're not talking about the weakening the poor, sharing with everybody who wants to smoke and take drugs and, and drink alcohol and doesn't want to repent, who keep letting down their families and letting down their relatives and letting down their neighbors and even when you nurse them back to help first thing they do is head for the bar or they just you know go watch a football game or they just sit around how many people do i know i can't even count them now who got on unemployment during this economic crunch and stayed on unemployment and milked the system and milked the system and milked the system and sat around and gained extra 20, 30 pounds because they didn't need to go to work. Because in a time of affluence, their system of charity was not strengthening the poor. We are looking for people who are willing to give and sacrifice willingly, but not foolishly. Because some of the people that need help need to be told, I'm not giving you a dime until you get off your duff and get to work. I'm not going to give you an easy ride. I'm going to give you a ride that makes you a stronger man or woman. This is what we need to do. Proverbs 1.19, so are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. When you send your kids to public school or get public assistance, you're getting the life of others. That's what you're doing. The Hebrew word is batza. Cut me off. Gain, given, greedy, covetous. Covetous. Cut, finish. That word is translated all these different ways. Only twice cut me off. Twice translated gained. Twice translated given. Twice translated greedy. Once translated covet. Covetous. Once covetous, once cut, once finished, once fulfilled, once get, once performed, once wounded. <laughs> Same word, all those different ways.
is defined as violently make gain. Violently get a benefit. All the benefits of the governments of the world, W-O-R-L-D, cosmos, constitutional orders and systems of government that force offerings of the people, all the benefits they offer are produced by violence. Until John the Baptist, everybody was trying to establish their government by force, their welfare by force. But John the Baptist said, no. If there is a need for a coat, someone must share. If there is need for food, someone must share. If there is need for education, someone must share. But they must have the right to choose to share. If you take away that right, you yourself will go into bondage. You will be trapped in the very net of your own making, and what should have been for your welfare shall be a snare. Paul, New Testament. And now you are snared. And you only pray to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority, even though Jesus said it is not to be that way with you. And since it is, I can only imagine you are not a Christian. You are not a follower of Christ. You are not a servant of God. You are a servant of God's many. And you are bound back in the bondage of Egypt. And the only way out is to repent and start to change. Not expatriate, but repatriate to the Father in heaven. Start providing that free bread through good altars of servants of God who strengthen the poor. Proverbs 15:27. He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house, but he that hateth gifts shall live. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. Coming up to an election year, you're going to see a lot poureth out. Oh, we'll do this for you. We'll do that for you. We'll give this to you. We'll provide that for you. We'll guarantee this for you. Just give us the power. You have to be the government of God. You have to hate it, the gift of the benefactors who exercise authority. And I know some of you are starting to, but you don't know how to let go. Well, the way to let go is to start reaching out. Give what you can. Start seeking others who will give what they can. Not just giving for giving's sake, but giving for righteousness' sake. To strengthen the poor, to get out the message, to make the voice of one crying in the wilderness a louder voice. Proverbs fifteen twenty nine. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he 
heareth the prayers of the righteous. You just got to start being righteous. You got to start. Little step. Homeschooling. Little step. Home health. Little step. Preaching the kingdom. Supporting the kingdom. Gathering together in congregations with the hope of becoming congregations of Christ. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and good report maketh the bones fat. We have often asked, can these dry bones come together? Can flesh come upon them? Can the Holy Spirit be breathed into them? The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth amongst the wise. I am reproving you. I'm not here to tickle your ears. As many as I love, I also rebuke. I am not telling this to put you down, but to help you get up. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul, but he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. You've got to start down that road of being the government of God by looking out amongst yourselves and finding men you trust, forming these congregations. Now, we've laid this out and show you how it works. It's not instantaneous. It's a process. It's a journey. But you have to start with your steps. All ye beasts of the field come to devour, yea, all ye beasts of the forest. His watchmen are blind. They are ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. That's where we're at today. You, you need to rebuke the ministers in your churches with their big screen TVs and saying, you have let me go back into the bondage of Egypt, which was called a rejection of God because you have been trying to entertain me rather than do the work of the good shepherd who feeds his flock so that they do not have to go and pray at the doors of the benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. You are workers of iniquity. It is time you ministers repent and start speaking the truth in your churches and tell the people we have been under a strong delusion. We have betrayed Christ. We have abandoned his church. Time to repent. We'll be back. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com
The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host, cause, and anywhere else the Spirit may lead you. Do all to the glory of our God and Creator, for His holy nation, the only kingdom that will last forever. Thank you for listening. government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, we're talking about the Kane syndrome, and uh, the fact is, is that that Kane syndrome, and I, I kind of like the word syndrome because it has that sin part in it, <laughs> and of course that's what we're dealing with is sin. You know, it's a pattern of behavior that characterizes or indicates a particular social condition that is contrary to the ways of God. It is a disorder. It is a disease and the like. A group of related and coincidental things, events, and actions. A syndrome that tells us that we have gone the ways of Cain, we have gone the ways of Kor, we have gone the ways of Balaam, we have gone the ways of the Nicolaitans. 
it's it's pervasive throughout our society and it is keeping us from consciousness and when we begin to study the bible and begin to study these these words of the prophets that have been sent to us we've got preachers singing in our ears and saying that you're saved and that jesus loves you because you've accepted him as your personal savior while you're down there collecting from men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority and beat your neighbor if they don't contribute enough according to what they decide is good and evil how far from christ how far from god can you get before you realize you've abandoned him and gone completely in the opposite direction while you say you're praising him with your songs and your prayers I woke up this morning and went and looked at an earthquake uh, detection map thing on the Internet. I don't know why. I haven't ever looked at that in probably years. And I noticed there was two earthquakes in Iran. Just as I was looking at it, they loaded 6.2, 6.3. I don't know what's happened since this show has started. But there's going to be a shaking in this world and it's because you have abandoned the ways of God the tragedies that are coming are so great it would scare you to death if you could see them if you could actually see the future but you could survive them easily like the apostles in a storm at sea you ever been in a storm at sea in a small boat? It's pretty scary. You know, there's nothing but black water underneath you. That boat is actually bouncing from wave to wave. <laughs> and there's water in the hole. I've been there, done that. Got the T-shirt, turned it into a dust rag. But that's nothing compared to the, what's coming. Is it coming tomorrow? Is it coming today? Is it coming a week from now, a month from now? For all of you, it's coming. And if you turn to God simply out of fear, it won't be enough. You can't turn all the way around and get back to God. Someone this morning said something about how they were realizing how far from where they should be they've gone. They can't get back. I can't get you back. I can't even get back. Except by the hand of God. Prodigal son turned around and started heading back, and his father ran out to meet him. That's all we have to do is start turning around and heading back with the intention of being the servants of our father. To serve the two different words for serve not to till my neighbor but to serve and I serve my neighbor because I am told by my father to love my neighbor as myself so the service I do for my neighbor should not weaken him but strengthen him we're going to have a feast here a feast in September latter part of September we got a thousand acres you can camp on. 
How many of you will work to bring a thousand people? How many of you will get out and beat the brush and find the nine twelvers and the and the uh, feast of tabernacle people and uh, the black powder people and whoever? How many of you will work to bring those people together? Every homeschooler you can find. Everybody who's into home health. Everybody who opposes this idea of GMOs in our food. Everybody who's looking and caring about one another. How many of them will you bring? thousand acres you got to camp on. You got water coming out of the ground for you to drink. But it's what's going to flow out of your heart that's going to make the difference. And there isn't a lot of time to start that flow again on your own just from hearing me speak and your desire to do righteousness. We're not going to buy a big screen TV. We're going to hold a piece of vinyl <laughs> and project onto that vinyl. Hope the wind doesn't blow too hard. But we want the breath of life in you. You have to breathe in when God breathes out. You have to take on his character. Not turn away and go out of his presence to go watch TV and go elect some other man who calls himself a benefactor but exercises authority one over the other. You have to start being the government of God. You don't all have to come all the way out here, but you have to come together and elect a congregation and then help pay the way of a couple men to come out here, and they will bring back that breath that they receive, that message they receive. And you will be ready to receive it because you've contributed. You ha the rock flow has to be from your heart. The offerings and sacrifice must be from your heart. It must be your choice. And you must choose to do it of your own accord. And where you lay your sacrifice must be of your own choice. Who you will give to. Who you will help. But you have to start that giving, that voluntary giving. That is the sacrifice that we need to see. And then when we do that and become that body of Christ, doing that, living by faith, hope, and charity, able to support one another in hard times or good times, in a network that is so well connected, like the blood veins in your... You know, if you, if you don't run on a regular basis, you know, get out there and get that cardiovascular pounding of the heart up for a long period of time and then all of a sudden you try to run the blood's not getting where it needs to go and the you're out of breath and you're out of shape but if you practice that now and then you'll be in shape well the body of Christ is in bad shape <laughs> you get winded easily you can't run the long distance I'm not as good at running long distance as I used to be, but I'm a lot older. Uh, I used to run marathon. I'm not really in the mood for marathon anymore, but I can still run a little bit. 
but you have to learn to run as a body you have to get that circulation going you start with your local congregation and if you don't have one then you help another one you go out there if you're on the net or you're you beat the brush or whatever it is and you try to gather more people for yourself or for another congregation you just try to get the word out and try to help those people trying to get the word out and then we'll find more people who will come together and start to give and then you work as a body and you'll learn and your circulation will improve and your breathing will improve and when God breathes into one, he breathes into all because you're all connected in a relationship and a network. You have people who are a part of our network and they said, oh, we don't want to do this. We want to go off and do our own thing. And because our words weren't just like their words, and so they were going to do their own thing, and we didn't quite fit into their personal doctrine. And they went off. And immediately they ran into problems and they're calling back and trying to get help. Immediately they're calling back and calling back and calling back trying to get help. And then the other day, the last call I got, they said out loud, why can't people, because they were running into more and more frustration, more and more brick walls, because they were trying to do everything on their own with their own little personal group who said things just right, evidently. And... They said, why can't people just come together and work together? And, well, you left us. <laughs> I don't get it. Am I missing something that happened here? <laughs> uh, the reality is you have to come together. And not believing in your gods and dogmas and doctrines, but actually just doing the will of Christ. It's very simple. Pure religion is very simple. Are you in a network that's caring about one another? You don't need insurance. You don't need social welfare. You need Christ. If you had Christ, you would be together as a people and helping one another cheaper, more efficiently, more effectively than any system on the face of the earth. But if you aren't in such a system that is better than anything you see around you in the world, in the governments of the world then you aren't following Christ. Now, yeah, do you want instantaneous answer to your prayers? God doesn't work that way. God is ready to answer your prayers in His time. you got to spend a little time praying, a little time seeking, a little time looking for righteousness and being the righteous individuals that you need to be by starting to do a little righteousness, a little caring for one another. So we all have a little portion of the Cain syndrome in us. We've all, you know, well, I haven't, but most people have gone to public school. Uh, most people have been a part of the welfare system and accepted you get low income credit or what have you at one time or another. Now, some of you have always found something wrong with that and wanted to go the other way, but never heard that there was another way to go. You never heard Christianity. You heard about some form of Christianity, but it wasn't real Christianity. It was a false Christianity. 
Now you're coming up face to face. Do I really love Christ enough to do what he said? Do I really love Christ enough to not do what he said to not do? And it's not to be that way with you. Do I really love Christ enough to love my neighbor enough to be there in a congregation of record that operates by a free assembly of faith, hope, and charity? Can I do this in a network of other congregations where they know who I am and I know who they are and they have a minister in common with me because my minister has a minister in common with them so that I become a living network so that the right arm is connected to the right leg and the right leg is connected to the left leg to a system of circulation and a nervous system that acts and works together as a body. Each individual part remaining an individual part, like cells in your body, every cell in your body is an individual cell. But they are connected together. Each one of them has the programming for all the other cells in your body. The same DNA, but yet liver cell over here, kidney cell over here, heart cell over here, muscle cell over here, blood cell over here, red blood cell, white blood cell. Each one having same DNA, but yet a different purpose, working together in one body to make a living creature upon the earth. Now the question is, is that living creature receiving the breath of God, the character of God? Do you have the God syndrome in you? Although I don't like to use the word syndrome there in relationship to that idea, because although it will be called a sin by the world, but do you have the pattern or symptom or characterization that indicates the nature of Christ, whereby you give up your life so that others may live? Or are you just about saving your life? If you give up your life to have life more abundant, then if you save your life, you will become a stagnant pond, unpalatable. So we need to turn around and go another way. We need to seek another way. And that's the ways of Christ, the ways of the early church, the ways of the early church where they looked out amongst themselves and picked men they trusted. And they tended to the business of God's government. And they bore fruit. For a thousand years, they bore very great fruit. But you won't be taught that history in most books because you might figure out which way you've gone, which is away from the ways of the kingdom. You've gone the ways of the Pharisees. Whether you be Jew or Muslim or Christian, so-called Christian, it doesn't really matter. You can see it in every one of these societies. How many of those 
freedom fighting uh, Islamic nations that have been overthrowing like in Libya and every place else are just simply putting into place progressive socialism not that Libya didn't have a little bit of that they had democratic socialism but uh, they did it because they gobble up all the oil fields but they believed in democracy to a point I don't believe in democracy at all I don't want to pool my rights with someone who can take away my rights because there's more of them than me I mean nothing killed Christ more than a democratic vote how many want to kill him how many want him to live most of them want to kill him. Most of them will want to kill you if you start doing righteousness. And then especially when things really start falling apart because your system will be succeeding and their system will be failing and jealousy and envy will bring about destruction. And anger and hate. They will hate us. But if we are doing righteousness, God will be between us and the pharaohs of the world. And even if he doesn't, which way do you really want to go? You know, when I talk about the bad things coming and people are afraid so they want to go this way, you will be afraid if you go this way. You will face real fear if you go this way. Because you're going to have to step out of the boat. You're going to have to trust in that which you cannot see. You don't get a guarantee. You don't know that anybody will be there for you. You have to actually live by hope and maybe die with that hope. Though he may slay me, I shall serve him. This is the way we have to go. This is the faith that we have to have. So anyway... You have a chance to come to the Burning Bush Festival, our fall festival, the Feast of Tabernacles, whatever you want to call it. You can find out more about it at burningbushfestival.org. Uh, the site's looking better and better. But you're to be a part of the festival. This was the thing. The festival was a time of festivity and sacrifice. You had to come and share what you had with others in free giving, in a free assembly. So it's going to be a show and tell if you got a talent, if you have a product, if you have whatever that you want to share with other people. Knowledge, information, talent, music. You know, one of the things I'm going to suggest is that, you know, if we don't get enough musicians, everybody bring their favorite CD and we'll see if we can play it. We have plans to build a water slide, uh, kind of a hometown country forum, a little bit, a uh, whole lot less materials, <laughs> and uh, very heavy on ingenuity. And hopefully we'll get you a, a picture of what that may look like uh, here this next week or so. Uh, we're going to be building more facilities out here and expanding our ability to accommodate more and more people. But if you don't mind a little camping, we've got the 
fields mode. Uh, we can start off with at least 30 acres that you can camp on. Uh, but if we were to run out of room this year, we've got, like I say, we've got a thousand acres we can get you camping on. Uh, they've got an RV park nearby. There'll be some motel spaces not too far away for uh, others. Uh, uh, and we're going to charge you absolutely nothing, but you shouldn't come empty-handed. You should come with the sharing character of Christ and have a good time. So we're going to have to learn how to live by this faith thing. And it's going to take quite a while because we've gone so far away from that faith thing that it is almost unimaginable uh, that we could ever even get back. And, of course, without a miracle, we couldn't get back. But there are some that road back and... That's what you need to do, too. So get a hold of them on the Living Network. Go to hisholychurch.org. Get a hold of the people in your local area, which may be just in the same state. Make contact. Start figuring out ways to get this word out to other people. Start uh, spreading this message. There's a lot written, a lot to study. We read about that earlier, about those that, you know, study and uh, are brought to understanding. But, you know, it's not a comfortable study because you have to be willing to look at it and say, oh, my gosh, I've done wrong. I've gone the wrong way. I've been deceived. I've been under a strong delusion. And then turn around and go that other way. He that is greedy for game troubleth his own house. This is what, what you've done. The net is spread before the bird. Those who lurk privately for the blood of the innocent will be captured in the net of their own making. That's where we've gone. We've all done it. We've all played a part in it. But he that refuses instruction despises his own soul. And he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. That's what we need to do. All ye beasts of the field come and devour, but you, you they will lose their taste for you if you come in sincerity and hope. And you will have the angels of God protecting you. But you have to want the kingdom of God more than life itself and where you begin is to care about others as much as you care about your own life that's just the way it works it, it's the it's the quantum mechanics of the kingdom of God so anyway we'll see you later today for those of you who can join us um, and we'll see you next week with uh, Colin Gunn and Dr. Nation. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom 
with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.